Hi, I'm Mike Burton of Star Wars Comics and Canon and Genuine Chit Chat, and I'm here to talk to you guys about a new monthly show that's coming out on Comics in Motion very soon. Now the show is going to be called the Comics in Motion Book Club, and it's specifically going to be tackling one-shots, mini-series, or small volumes of ongoing runs of comics. The idea behind it is a host as well as a handful of guests are going to sit down like an old school book club and talk about the comic, the narrative, their thoughts on it, the art style, and just generally all aspects of the comic in question. We would also love to hear from you guys on the show, so please make sure you send in your thoughts, your questions, or anything you'd like us to say on air, and you can contact us either on social media at comicsinmotionp, or you can email us at comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. We're also going to have a rolling host, so it's going to be a different person each month, just so there's a nice big variety of the kind of comics that we tackle, and obviously the guests are going to change as well, so every month is going to be something different. I'm going to be the host of the first episode, and unsurprisingly, we are tackling a Star Wars comic. It's going to be the first volume of Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. It's the 2017 Darth Vader run, written by Charles Saul. We're going to be tackling issues 1-6 to six for the Chosen One arc, but the trade paperback collection is called The Imperial Machine. You can find this on Marvel Unlimited, and you can also find it on Hoopla, as well as you can buy it on Comixology and all the usual places that you find your comics. So with that all said guys, the countdown begins. Happy reading, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 61. So guys, this week I'm tackling the 11th volume of the 2015 Star Wars run, The Scourging of Shu Run. That's going to be issues 62 to 67. Now before going further, just to clarify, I'm going to talk about all of the story elements of these six issues and also how they connect to the wider Star Wars canon, but I will clarify that this is quite insular. This is kind of concluding a lot of the story elements that have been building up over the last several volumes of the main run of Star Wars, so I would recommend people go back and listen to episodes 57, 53, 48, 44, 40, and 36 if you haven't already. If you've read all the Star Wars comics and this is just a refresher, then no worries at all, but if you've never read a Star Wars comic, or at least these ones, go back and listen to those previous episodes so you get a good understanding of the whole story. I have also uploaded all of these episodes to YouTube and they're in a nice little playlist as well, so if you want to listen to all of the episodes I've done on the main run of Star Wars, then you can go over to YouTube and check those out, but I have also included the details in the description. So moving on then, issue 62 was released in March 2019, issue 67 was released in June 2019, and the trade paperback collection was released in August 2019. The writer is Kieran Gillen, the colour artist is Guru EFX. For issue 62, the artist is Andrea Bracado, and for issues 63 to 67, the artist is Angel Inzieta. So let's move on to The Crawl. Queen Trios of Shu Turan's betrayal allowed the evil Galactic Empire to launch a surprise attack against the Rebel Alliance's fleet, scattering the rebels and nearly crushing the heroic cause once and for all. Princess Leia Organa, Jedi-in-training Luke Skywalker, and smuggler Han Solo narrowly escaped the assault and reunited with the Alliance thanks to the aid of new allies. Now, Leia has a score to settle with the Empire, and with Queen Trios. 
So let's start with the story for issue number 62. It starts off with Leia relaying her plans for Shooter Run to Han, Luke, Chewie, R2-D2 and C-3PO. She tries to convince them that it's not a revenge move and Han comments saying that she's gone full Vader. She confirms that no innocence should be harmed and it should only harm the economy of Shooter Run, but they will need a shapeshifter. Han then questions what is Tunga up to these days. Now for clarity, Tunga has appeared in issues 44 to 49 of the first run of Star Wars comics. I tackled that specific volume on episode 48 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. So Tunga is a Claudite. Claudites are shapeshifters. And the main time people will have seen a Claudite is actually in Star Wars episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Right near the start when there's those assassination attempts on Padme... Obi-Wan and Anakin pursue a bounty hunter called Zam Wessel through the streets of Coruscant and whatnot, and when they finally catch up to her, she gets hit by a poison dart by Jango Fett and then dies. When she dies, you see her face turn back to air quotes normal, what Claudites look like. They're generally green-skinned, and that's exactly what Tunga looks like. So it shows that Tunga is actually in a play. He is playing Luke Skywalker, which he is nicknamed Luke Swordswinger. And the story is basically a retelling of the arc Mutiny on Mon Cala, which, as I said, I tackled in episode 48 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. While they're doing this, some stormtroopers arrive and confirm that it is an illegal performance of treasonous material. Tunga quickly turns back into his normal self, and it shows that Luke, Han, and Leia are there. And Luke quickly disposes of the stormtroopers, just swiping at them with his lightsaber. And Leia asks for Tunga's help. Tunga agrees, saying there's not much money in making rebel-hailing entertainment in the Imperial era, and so he agrees to go with them. Also, funny moment here, I mentioned that one of the characters is called Luck Swordswinger. Well, Han is called Han No-Go, and Chewie isn't involved at all. And Chewie was not very happy about that. Their conversation then ends confirming that they need some special troops of people who are used to fighting on a hell world. So Luke says, okay, I guess we're going back to Jeddah. Now for clarity, Jeddah is in Rogue One. It's the main city that gets destroyed by the Death Star when it's kind of doing the test. It's also where Saul Guerrero and his partisans are. And in a sort of sequel comic to the Rogue One story, episode 44 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, which tackles issues 38 to 43 of the main run of Star Wars, that is the Ashes of Jeddah arc, which is when the main gang go to Jeddah after the Death Star's already had its way with her. And it's a pretty intense issue. It's really, really good. I do recommend it. It's probably my favourite of the recent Star Wars issues. So anyway, they go back to Jeddah and they meet up with Benthic Two Tubes. So his name is actually Benthic, but his nickname is Two Tubes. Now, you all have seen him in Rogue One. He's hard to describe, but he's very beige skinned, has kind of black sunken eyes and has got two tubes coming out of his face. And he actually does appear in Solo, a Star Wars story. He is part of Emphis Nest's Cloud Rider gang and you get to see him basically towards the end there. So anyway, it shows that Benthic shoots an Imperial shuttle, a Lambda-class T4A shuttle to be specific, which is just what those Imperial shuttles look like, which is basically a box with three fins, one coming out the top and one coming out of each corner. And after he destroys that, then Leia meets up with him. She asks him to help, and he kind of argues back with her a little bit, and she says, look, it's just ego-driven to stay here. You can't do any more good. Why don't you come and really do some damage to the Empire? So he agrees. While Leia is speaking to Benthic, Luke, Han, and Chewie go to the Temple of the Central Isotoper. Now they are once again in the Jeddah arc. You can see the followers of the central isotope in Rogue One in the background, but they kind of have more life in the Jeddah arc that I mentioned previously. So Luke can't find anyone in the temple, and they are a force death cult, and they like to hunt disasters, so he says, well, they must have gone somewhere else. After recruiting the Partisans and also Tunga, they go back to the ship Home One, which is a Mon Calamari ship, which I believe is where Admiral Akbar is. 
There's an engineer called Miorti, and she is a female mechanic and is helping repair the Millennium Falcon, and then they ask her if she could be a slicer for them. Now, she did appear in previous arcs. She actually fixed C-3PO's legs at one point, but she hasn't really had any major roles aside from that. Leia then gets everyone on the Falcon to meet in the same room and says that, sorry about the secrecy, but rebels at the moment currently have patchy security. They want to do an economic strike against the shooter run, so no one will be hurt who doesn't deserve it. And then this comic ends with the followers of the central isotopers landing on Shutoran to witness the destruction, and one of them asks if it will be as much destruction as Jeddah, and the other one says, we will see. So that's where issue 62 ends, on to issue 63. Issue 63 starts with Tria speaking with a gentleman named Kamchar. Now, Kamchar is basically a big, bold dude with a mechanical arm. He is once again from the Ashes of Jeddah arc. Trace is talking about tonight's gathering, Kamchar cannot attend, and then they have a little back and forth. He seems to be a little bit salty about the fact that she kind of went over his head when she was betraying the rebels, and she kind of glazes over that. He says he doesn't hold a grudge, and then she moves on to say that both her and the Spike hold Shutoran's world together. Now, while she's looking at the Spike and talking to Kamchar about it, Leia is also looking at the Spike, but from a different angle. She talks with the gang, the partisans, and Tunga, and confirms they need two teams. They need to get a scan of Trios's eye so they can bypass some security, go to a stronghold, slice the systems, lock down the whole of society, so closing all the doors, locking everything, and then they can blow up the spike. And the spike is imperative for the mining operations and obtaining all of the minerals and things that the Empire need from Shooter Run. It then shows a lord who's called Lord Ortar, and he is yelling at his speeder driver. Then Leia, Han, and Miorti manage to clamp it. They stun the Lord and the driver, and then Tunga becomes the Lord. While that's happening, Luke and Chewie are in the Millennium Falcon with the Partisans, and they're waiting for Leia's mark. It then shows 3PO and Tunga, Tunga being Lord Ortar. They arrive, and 3PO has got a weird scanner thing on his head. They basically need to go and meet Trios, so they go into this big hall, and they kind of wait in a crowded area while Trios is greeting people, and then she eventually greets them. So she appears, she has a bit of a back and forth with Tunga, and while that's happening, 3PO uses this strange headgear to get an eye scan of Trios. And Leia tells Tunga to deliver a message, so after Trios says, hmm, well, enjoy the party, Ortar, he says, I will, your majesty, it's most impressive. Over the next few hours, you should take your time to look around and think, I did this. And then this comic ends with Trios thinking, hmm, where do I know that from? So that means we're moving on to issue number 64. So it starts with Tunga and 3PO returning to their ship. Han manages to fly the ship out with obviously all the gang aboard, and Miorti slices it so the ship will appear to still be docked by people on the control room and things. And then it shows that Luke and Chewie are on the Millennium Falcon, still ready and waiting. Han and co then drop off the Lord and the driver onto like an isolated platform on Shuturan just so they won't tell anyone what happened, and they didn't want to kill them clearly. Tunga then puts on Queen Trios's garb, and then the ship lands and Tunga gets out dressed up and shapeshifted into Trios. All the staff and guards greet Tunga, thinking it is obviously Trios, and so he takes everyone into the dining hall, collects everyone's weapons together and uses a droid to remove it, and then closes the door, locking all of the guards and servants and anyone involved in this one room. The gang then meets Tunga in the throne room, and Miorti starts to slice things. They do manage to get access, and they lock everything down. Shortly after, it shows Trios in her party and things, and then one of her guests wants to leave, but she's told that she can't. Trios then questions it and goes to the Grand Marshal, and he confirms that everything is all locked down. Everything is sealed, they're not quite sure why every door is locked and things, but they can't do anything from where they are. 
As that happens, it clicks to Queen Trios that when Tunga disguised as that lord says, you did this, she realises that's the last thing that she said to Leia before she betrayed them all on Makotar. While this is happening, Luke, Chewie and the Partisans manage to get through the shield which is covering the spike. Due to Miorti now being locked into their systems and things, she can control everything. So she allowed them to get access to the spike and they attack. Benthic kills the guards. Luke isn't overly happy about that. I mean, it's a little bit contradictory I find considering he is swinging that lightsaber about a lot and the stormtroopers in the first issue of this batch, I'm pretty certain he killed. He does a pretty big slice like diagonally across their chest. I mean, maybe it didn't hit any internal organs and stuff, but you know, Luke's morality is a little bit here and there, especially in these issues. But regardless, he, you know, incapacitates people on the floor and Benthic walks over to them and shoots them, specifically ensuring that they are dead. Luke gets over his displeasure with this and just says, look, we need to stick together. As Luke kind of runs ahead, one of the partisans whispers to Benthic that the opportunity to rip the planet apart could happen, and Benthic wants to take that. So that's the end of issue 64, and we're going to move on to issue number 65 now. So we are halfway through this arc. And at this point, I just want to clarify to you guys that if you go onto the social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram or on Facebook, you'll be able to see the photos I've uploaded of the covers of the multiple comics involved with this, as well as a couple of panels that are quite cool as well. On Twitter, I'll try and put on a couple, but Twitter's kind of limited because you can only upload four photos. But if you want to see all those things, just go over to social media and I should have uploaded these on the same day that this episode drops, which is Saturday. And also you want to clarify that any Patreon supporters will have been able to see these at this time of recording so they get to see those photos and things a few days early. But anyway, moving on to issue number 65. Trios only has two options to escape. They can use explosives or they can use mining equipment. And she's pondering on which decision to make. He goes back to the Rebels and it confirms there's no comms that are working from inside the spike because there's too much interference. And Chewie confirms that because Chewie is in the Falcon just kind of waiting while Leia is communicating with Chewie, but Chewie can't get a hold of Luke or the Partisans. He shows Luke and the Partisans they manage to clear a room in the sphere and they basically blow it up and it turns out that that is the fourth core of the spike and they only have one to go and their mission is a success. And it's confirmed that the partisans want to hypercharge the final core. And if they do that, then the spike will overdrive and basically rip the planet apart. Back to Trios, she takes the only transport along with a massive batch of her guards and tries to escape. They fly through a couple of the tunnels and things and manage to break through one of the gates that's basically holding back that would be locked. And they head for the Imperial Retreat, which is where the control rooms are. And that's where Leah and co are. Meanwhile, Kamchar, who is in a Star Destroyer elsewhere, he gets a message from Scar Squadron, who from the previous arc were abandoned on the moon of Huben. They provide him with a warning of the imminent rebel attack, so he decides to head for Shutoran and mentions the bombs that they've been making on board. In the room of the final core, Benthic tells R2-D2 to hypercharge the spike. Luke questions the partisans and Benthic says that it is just for what they did to Jeddah. Luke does not agree with this and R2-D2 expels a smokescreen and both R2 and Luke run away. While this is happening, Trios is nearing the Imperial Retreat. Leia and Han get ready with a gun and then they notice that Trios' ship doesn't look like it's going to land. So they dive out the way and the ship rams the entrance. The gang manage to get a vantage point and they're aiming all their guns at the entrance of the ship that's just crashed and rammed the door. They start firing on the shooter on guards and pinning everyone down. While this happens, Kamchar arrives in his Star Destroyer in orbit, and he says to prep for an orbital bombardment. One of his fellow officers says that they can't because it's a holy site, and Kamchar says, no, we can. You know, when we're finished, it will just be holy dust, with a smile on his face. So that's where issue 65 ends. Let's move on to issue number 66, the penultimate issue. 
So it shows the cult of the central isotopers seeing the spike and they say, oh, we were here just in time because things start to happen. The Star Destroyer starts firing on the Imperial Retreat from space. Fortunately, the Imperial Retreat does have a shield, but the Rebels and Trios are both confused, and Leia and Han in this fall back. Trios then contacts Kamchar, telling him to stop. He agrees to, and then as soon as they're off the comms, he shoots another bombardment. Trios then calls him up again and exclaims, what on earth are you doing? And Kamchar says, well, Princess Leia is there and she is a high value target. And basically saying he's also blockading the planet so no one else can escape. And he's showing quite clearly that he's very happy to kill Trios, which is obviously referencing the whole thing where she managed to kind of go over his head in the last mission they had together. And although she was reporting directly to Darth Vader, I think he's quite jealous of that. Trios is trying to work out what options they have, and one of her guards confirms that their ship was quite heavily damaged when they rammed both the gate initially, but also the door that they're at now. So they decide to go after the rebels. It shows the throne room where Leia, Han, Tunga and Myorti are holding on and decide to try and seal the door. While that happens, Luke is running from the partisans, R2 manages to hide in a little crevice while Luke continues to run, and Luke manages to hit a door, which almost stops the partisans but they manage to catch it just before it closes, and they get through and follow. While Leia and Han are trying to seal the door, Trios and her guards manage to get under the door and into the throne room. Trios then attacks Leia, calling her a monster. Simultaneously, the partisans then corner Luke, Benthic then captures him and broadcasts out that he's going to kill Luke if R2-D2 doesn't show himself and help them. Another bombardment from the Star Destroyer hits, causing everything to shake quite a lot, and Trios and Leia are now fighting properly. Trios accuses the rebels of lying constantly and think they're trying to destroy her planet and kill everyone on there, and as Leia is trying to dispute this, Trios is yelling out liar while swinging this sort of golden staff spike thing at her. Leia manages to grab another one of those spikes from the wall. They have quite a few panels of fighting and it is quite cool. And Leia manages to swipe at Trios' sort of central abdomen area. Trios drops her weapon and collapses to the floor. The remaining guards of Trios' then get shot and then Trios slowly is dying on the floor. She has some dialogue with Leia and eventually apologises for what happened. And the last panels of this comic is R2-D2 appearing. He plugs into the main system of the spike and initiates the overdrive and the isotopes who are watching say it begins so all of that we move on to the last comic now i do want to clarify i have obviously been skipping over quite a lot of details here but this whole story run is all very dialogue heavy and as it's kind of wrapping up the last like five or so arcs it is very much you know exposition and people talking and that sort of thing and obviously as i always say to people whenever they listen to this show i try and highlight the main aspects of this just so you get a general idea of what's been going on in the story so that you don't have to read the comics necessarily but it is also meant to be a guide so that if you do want to read the comics you also get a lot out of this from the other connections and whatnot but as i said in this one there aren't that many other connections to other content that i haven't already tackled in these exact star wars volumes so if i'm speaking about something and you're thinking i don't remember what that specifically is i have almost certainly tackled it in one of the previous arcs of the main run of star wars so anyway so issue number 67 the final issue let's get on to the story of this one it starts with Benthic tying up Luke. Luke is annoyed at R2-D2 who makes some noises and Luke confirms that he just can't understand him. Then back where Leia is, Miorti says that they're going to kill everyone and Han chimes in and says yeah including me which is an absolute gem I love that line. And so Leia says that the only option they've got is for Chewie to pick them up in the Millennium Falcon. Han says that no they can't do that because the TIE fighters are going to cut him to pieces and destroy the ship as well. So while they're arguing about these things, you see that Tunga runs away in the background. He steals the ship that they use to fly there, and Leia just says to ignore him, they've got more important things to worry about. And then she contacts Chewie. 
It then shows Tunga in that ship. He becomes Leia and then sends a transmission, which Kamchar intercepts in air quotes. Obviously, Tunga wanted him to see this. And the message that he sends out says that the rebels are leaving at the south entrance. And Kamchar, thinking that he's intercepted this and that he's got one up on the rebels, says to target that ship. Leia and the gang then see Tunga's ship flying off and being followed by a massive amount of TIE fighters. He uses the comms to communicate with them, saying that he's trying out the hero thing, and then the ship is shot to pieces and then parts of it explode and crash. In this commotion, the Millennium Falcon nears, the gang manages to get on board, and the Millennium Falcon manages to fly away and then land on the spike where Luke and the Partisans are. Luke is tied up and Leia approaches with her hands up. She talks to Benthic and they have quite a long conversation, I'm not going to read it all, but in essence, she compares what they're doing to Tarkin and his Death Star. Benthic says that this will warn others not to side with the Empire, and she says, yeah, well that's what the Empire thought that the Death Star was going to do, but instead it rallies people to our cause, and we can't do this. If we win this, and we win it in this way, we won't actually win. They will win, because it means that we are basically them. We're no better than the Empire if we use Use a big weapon to destroy an entire planet of people when we're angry at a certain regime. And if you do this, Shutoran will die and the dream dies too. And for clarity, the dream is something that Saul Guerrero references quite a lot and then Benthic in these issues also references quite a lot in his dialogue. And after a bit of pondering, Benthic then agrees. So they stop the final core going into hyperdrive and then they all get on the Millennium Falcon. They fly away and they watch the spike explode. And you also see that the central isotopers are nearby watching as well. The TIE fighters that destroy the ship that Tunga was on are getting closer and closer to the Millennium Falcon. Han does something which is quoted as crazy and he basically flies through the hole where the spike was. Now for clarity, the spike basically went through the centre of the planet. It's connected to loads and loads of different tunnels and whatnot. Its general purpose was to provide power to Shuturon and powers a lot of energy shields that allow for mining and all those sorts of things. Without the spike, you can't access certain areas and whatnot. So as the spike is slowly destroying and things, he flies through the wreckage of that and through the center of the planet and flies out the other side. The Millennium Falcon's shields manage to hold up while he's doing this, but the TIE fighters without any shields all just burn up. And so the Millennium Falcon, as it comes out the other side of the planet, manages to escape into hyperspace. R2-D2 then makes a noise and Luke comments that it's the same noise that he made when they were back on the spike and he asks 3PO what that actually was. 3PO confirms to Luke that R2-D2 is saying trust the force. So that's what R2-D2 was saying to Luke back on the spike when R2 was plugging into the system and doing what Benthic told them. Which is quite funny because 3PO mentions that R2, he was like, oh R2, when did you become such a mystic? Which is quite funny because I'm not sure if it's ever really mentioned again if R2 believes in the force. It's quite a weird, interesting concept. I'd quite like that sort of element explored. But, you know, these comics are, you know, about two or so years old at the moment and there hasn't been another mention, to my knowledge, of it, so who knows? R2-D2 may be a Force believer, we don't know. It shows that Vader meets up with Kamchar, and he questions why Kamchar decided to try and bombard Shutoran and things, and Kamchar says, well, he was trying to kill Princess Leia and the rebels, and he says he thought that was a good plan, and Vader Force chokes him, kills him, and confirms that that was not the plan. If you're a little bit confused by that, it's kind of alluded to in the first run of the Vader comics, which I have tackled on here as well, and is, in essence, Vader was, you know, trying to get Luke Skywalker, and he was trying to, you know, get information from the Rebels and things, just killing them wouldn't have necessarily helped, so it's kind of in that, and also Vader probably just didn't like Kamchar very much, so he killed him. 
The Millennium Falcon drops the partisans off on a planet called Salobea, which doesn't really pop up anywhere else. And Han has a conversation with Benthic and mentions the Cloud Riders and mentions that, you know, when he was with the Cloud Riders, he seemed like a hero. And now his path seems a bit different. Benthic says that his outlook and path has changed, as has the universe. And Han says, you know, when you change, you don't have to change permanently. You can change back and go where you want to go. You know, don't just stick with something because you feel like you have to. And Benthic says, thanks, you've basically given me a lot to think about, safe travels, rebels, and walks away. And I quite like the fact that Han recognizes Benthic from him being in, you know, Solo, the film. Obviously, this was, I think it's about 10 or so years difference, which is quite cool, but I just like that little connection. The Millennium Falcon finds the home one once again. Miorti says that she doesn't ever want to do that ever again, and she was not a fan of being out in the field, and pretty quickly after that walks away. It shows that Tunga actually survived the wreckage. He's caught under some sort of thing, and he calls over to some people, and it turns out that the cultists of the Central Isotopers actually find him. They say, well, welcome to the cult of the Central Isotoper, and he's like, uh, I didn't say I was necessarily joining... And that is seemingly the last we see of Tunga and the Central Isotopers. And then the last few panels of this comic show that the Rebels are looking for their next mission. They need to do some reconnaissance to try and find out when the next Rebel base is going to be. General Dodana had some places in mind, and they really love quite a few of them, but I double-checked each of the names, and not a single one seems to be mentioned anywhere else in Legends or in Canon, apart from Hoth, which obviously is where they will end up. But that, guys, is the end of this arc. Thank you so much for listening, as always. It was a bit of a shorter one here. I didn't want to just read through loads and loads of dialogue to you guys, because the dialogue is good, but if I just read one part out, I would probably have to read loads of other parts out, and it would just be me basically reading the whole comic to you guys, which, which, as I say, I don't want to do. I want this specific show to be a perfect mix of, for anyone who's never read a Star Wars comic, or has never read the specific comics I'm tackling, but also, if someone has read the comics I'm tackling, they should either get something out of it due to the connections made or just you know it's a nice refresher listening to someone chat about it for you know half an hour maybe easier than either reading it yourself or you can obviously listen to a podcast while you're doing a huge amount of other things so i really hope you guys enjoyed this one even if there weren't as many connections to other content and whatnot but it is kind of as i say wrapping things up now there are not that many arcs left. I'm pretty certain there are 75 issues of this run of Star Wars. And obviously, I just did issue number 67. So there's going to be, I think, two more episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon tackling this run of Star Wars. And then I'll potentially move on to the other one. But I haven't fully decided yet. Obviously, each month I am doing the War of the Bounty Hunters as well, which is sort of incorporating the main run of Star Wars. So I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do over the next few sort of weeks and things. But what have we got planned for next week, guys, it is going to be the first batch of the 2017 Darth Vader comics. It's called Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith. It's written by Charles Saul and it is arguably my favourite Star Wars comic run ever. I absolutely adore it. I think it's incredible. It takes place after Revenge of the Sith, like just after Revenge of the Sith. And there's just so many great moments in there. You get to see how Vader made his fortress on Mustafar, how he made or how he got his red lightsaber. He has some conflict of Tarkin. And there's also some connections to the mutiny on Mon Cala arc, which I tackled, you know, a few episodes ago in this sort of Star Wars run where they have to go and find King Lee Char. Well, it actually shows how Vader got King Lee Char. So there's loads of different things. That's not all in the first volume. That's over the course of the whole run of the Vader comics. But it's very, very fun, and I'm very excited to tackle that. 
And also, guys, you should have heard at the start that the Comics in Motion book club is going to be recording very, very shortly. As of the time of recording this, we are recording the Comics in Motion book club next week. I think there's going to be four of us. It's, I believe at this time it's going to be myself, Tony Freena, Dave Horrocks, and Matthew B. Lloyd. So it's very exciting to do those. And um, we're going to do that. So I'm going to aim to try. I'll be the one like hosting and editing that. And we are going to be tackling this first run of Darth Vader comics. So I've seemingly managed to line these up quite nicely. So next week, I only have to read one batch of comics and it works for two different shows but you know I will be doing that and I'm going to be aiming to release that book club episode shortly after releasing the Star Wars Comics and Canon episode which means that you guys will be able to listen to the Star Wars Comics and Canon episode and then listen to the book club because the Comics and Canon episode is going to be just objective things about the narrative and the connections and that sort of thing while the book club is going to be myself and three others talking about our thoughts on it and you know all of that sort of elements because obviously on this show in particular I don't necessarily give my opinions on things that much I often say if I I like or don't like things as much but I don't really go into depth about it this is more of an analytical or just explaining stories to people so I'm very excited about the book club but just to clarify the book club is not all going to be Star Wars stuff each host is going to choose what comic or set of comics we're going to talk about. I'm pretty sure that Dave is already lined up to be the host of the next one. Obviously, they're going to be monthly, and at the end of the show, we will talk about what the next comic is going to be, and then it'll give you guys, you know, a month or so to read that too. So lots of really cool things coming up in that regard. I'm looking at the schedule, and I think that after I've done the Darth Vader run, which will be after I've done the first volume of Darth Vader next week for issue 62, I think for issue 63 is going to be the finale of the first batch of Dr. Aphra. So that's the first run of Dr. Aphra will be finishing off, um, and that's written by Simon Spurrier. It was started by Kieran Gillen, but it's finishing off by Simon Spurrier. So I'm very excited about that. Then the week after that, I have not yet fully decided what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to tackle the ongoing series of Poe Dameron. I haven't 100% decided. I might end up doing a couple of sort of one-offs again, like mini-series and things, um, but I'll confirm that when I get to it. It just kind of depends, because there aren't any mini-series left in the canon Marvel comics, but IDW do have some other canon comics. They've got a couple of anthology stories, which is Tales from Vader's Castle. I think there are like 10 of them or... or yeah, I think there's about 10 of those. And then the other IDW comics, I haven't really tackled many of those. So I may end up doing a few of those here and there. I haven't really fully decided yet. So if you guys want to contact me and let me know, then that would be really cool. Aside from that, guys, obviously in the description, I always include certain links to other guest spots and things I've been involved with. I was on an episode of the I Like to Like Things podcast talking about my favorite TV show ever, which is not anything to do with Star Wars, is actually Sherlock. I love it. And so if you want to hear me talk about Sherlock, I do talk about Star Wars a bit in that as well. Chris, the host of I Like to Like Things, he likes Star Wars as well. So the conversation was about 40 minutes long and about half of it is about Sherlock, but there's no spoilers because it's me trying to convince him to basically watch Sherlock. And the response edition has come out as well, which is after... Uh, Chris and his wife Elise have actually watched the first season of Sherlock and that's out as well so make sure you check those out because that's a lot of fun too. I'm also on episode 21 on the Fantastic Universes feed of the show called Geek Talks. Paul which is one of the super dummies of the Superheroes for Dummies podcast which airs on the feed of Comics in Motion which may be where you're listening to this right now and there's several episodes of Geek Talks out and basically people just talk about their opinions on geek culture, uh, their life and how they've kind of got into geeky things. So so if you want to hear about that, you know, go over to the feed of Fantastic Universes. But once again, the link to that is in the description. 
Make sure you guys check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat. It's on its own feed and I talk to a different guest each episode. I recently chatted with a guy called Michael McCormick and he is an incredibly interesting individual. He did a lot of the puppet work for Labyrinth Dark Crystal and he even created the character Salacious Crumb, which is little Kowakian monkey lizard, the weird little cackly thing in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. And I had a really, really cool conversation with him and I actually put the conversation we had on YouTube. Uh, So if you want to see some of the puppets and stuff that he actually showed it's there if you want the audio on the youtube one is not quite as good as i've made it for the standard podcasting feed and things so i have included timestamps on the youtube video so if you listen to it via you know spotify or apple or google or wherever you listen to this podcast if you listen to genuine chit chat and then you go on to youtube at certain points you can see the uh, puppets that he's speaking about obviously you can watch the whole thing on youtube if you want that's completely fine but i just thought i'd let you guys know that you can see some of the puppets he uses and it is really really interesting to talk about punch and judy we talk about Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, all kinds of things. So I was very, very excited to share that. And I encourage anyone to go listen to that because it is just so much fun. And then the very last thing for me to mention, guys, is my Patreon. Now, to clarify, there are three episodes of my Afterthoughts show that I have released on Patreon completely for free. That is our review of the season one of The Witcher, which is spoiler-free, um, our review on The Phantom Menace, obviously episode one of Star Wars, and I recently released Spider-Man 3. And we spoke for about half an hour about Spider-Man 3. Megan was not a fan. She absolutely slated it, and it is a really funny conversation. So if you want to hear just the Spider-Man 3 conversation, I've included a link in the description. But if you go to bit.l y slash spider-man 3 at and the s of spider-man being a capital and at at the end being capitals you'll be able to just get it takes you straight to the patreon post because otherwise on patreon if you go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat you have to scroll down quite far through the posts to be able to find these free ones so i want to clarify if you want to pay just one pound a month you'll get access to early things for genuine chit chat as well as i do book reviews which i've I've released on this feed the book reviews I've done, but I normally release them a little bit early over on Patreon as well. You just get access, if you pay the £1 a month, you get access to the RSS feed, which you can put into any of the podcasting apps that you listen to, and you get access to the genuine chitchat episodes that don't get split. So when I release part one and part two, I release the whole thing on Patreon when part one drops on the normal feed. Uh, you also get certain early access to the book reviews, and I'm going to be doing an Into the Dark book review shortly as well. Uh, in addition to that, there's also the afterthought show that i just mentioned i did with megan we release an episode of that a week sometimes we release two kind of depends we talk about tv series and movies we've watched and things uh so there's certain new ones like corella and mitchell's rest of the machines there's some older ones like knocked up and 27 dresses and things like that it's a nice wide berth and we try and vary them up quite a lot we've also done pretty much all of the star wars ones now um of up to the original trilogy we just recorded the original trilogy episode and then we're going to do the ones on the sequel trilogy as well so lots of stuff to check out but if you just go over to patreon dot com slash genuine chit chat even if you don't want to pay any money at all you can listen to three episodes completely for free and if you do want to support the show but you don't want to contribute financially that's completely fine but please share this show share genuine chit chat share comics emotion just share with people that you know over on social media people in person all those sorts of things or leave a review on itunes apple podcasts really now or anywhere that you listen to podcasts that allows for reviews and things but anyway guys thank you so much as always for listening i appreciate each and every one of you listening to this show especially all the way to the end with all this rambly nonsense and things please check out all the other stuff i've been involved with listen to all the other amazing shows on comics and motion because it's just incredible i'm so proud and privileged to be a part of this amazing network and also guys as always i will talk to you next saturday with the 2017 darth vader run and may the force be with you
The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. We are the Pop Gorillas. This is the show where we drop a spoiler-free review of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me that they built a TV series out of a search for a Back to the Future DeLorean? Whoa, this is heavy. That's right, I've recently watched the Discovery Channel's Expedition Back to the Future series. Great, Scott! The interviews and cameos across this series are great. The love the fans and cast have for the franchise is tangible and infectious and matches my own. If my calculations are correct though, when this baby hits the framing device scenes, you're going to see some seriously cheesy shit. Not to mention that usual Expedition series presenter Just Gates' endless enthusiasm is the kind of presence I personally find interminably exhausting. Gates, where we're going, we don't need Gates. I guess you guys may appreciate these gigawatts more. Maybe your inner kid will even love them. Please excuse the crudity of this review. I didn't have time to build it, to scale or paint it. Make sure you subscribe as you never know when the pop gorillas will strike next. Comics in Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals, the amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link, go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you going to get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're going to help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks.